right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Oh Got It Burns. Uh, I'm not going to do the whole shouting one because this is not Oh Got It Burns. This is your burn ointment. You've been burned in the past before. We know it. You've read it. It hurts, baby. Now it's time to crack open that aloe and we're going to give you some salve to pop on it so we can soothe those achy aches. That's right. It's time for you to feel good, you know, and wash off all of those, uh, you know, Oh my god, I can't believe I read the read that moment. Oh, how why is this on page? Which uh, to to be uh, respectful, the one that we just read, not bad. No. It was actually a perfectly serviceable comic book, yeah. uh, Dark Knight Three: The Master Race. But we do have some other things. So if you enjoyed that, or if you were even nonplussed by it, like just slightly annoyed by certain things, like fucking Bruce Wayne coming back from the dead, Lazarus Pitts, <laughs> son of a bitch, it's in Elseworlds, Burner's World. What the fuck do you think you're bringing him back from the dead like Harry Kelly Thursday? But <laughs> tell us how you really feel, Nick. <laughs> we've we've got some other comics that we can recommend right. for it. So I'm gonna go ahead, Bruno. You want to go ahead and kick this one off? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll go ahead and do that. Uh, first one I'm gonna do is uh, because a big portion of this was uh, the Candor storyline. Um, I think that uh, the new Krypton storyline, where essentially they find uh, Candor and they release it and are able to generate essentially like a Counter Earth on DC Universe, where it's a uh, new krypton a whole new planet that's on the opposite side of the earth's orbit um where candor could essentially get their own planet and thrive again uh it introduces and uh specifically if you're going for it action comics 866 to 889 and the annual um which was annual number 12 and it is the storyline of um chris kent who is general zod's kid that was born in the phantom zone and raised in the phantom zone and he comes out um of the phantom zone he's raised then by superman and learns that there's more to life than what his father taught him and embraces the ideals that come with superman and then he uh is neck deep in the uh candor and kryptonian mythology so much so that we find out about the origin of nightwing's name which is not a lot of people know this but nightwing is actually the reason he chose Nightwing was it was a story that Superman had told about two Kryptonian heroes called Nightwing and Flamebird. Both characters have had their own standalone DC counterparts, Nightwing being a more uh, well-known version and then Flamebird being a member of the Titans. Mm-hmm. But um, this was, at the time, the identities other than Nightwing were in use, but you know their sales were kind of eh. So they gave action comics to Chris Kent, who was starting to uh, age rapidly, um, and then he runs into another Kryptonian, uh, Thara, and they take on the identity of Nightwing and Flamebird uh, while they're in Kandor, and they navigate through uh, new, the new society that is New Krypton, who, which is slowly um, having a coup of Zod. Zod is slowly beginning to amass power in new krypton and getting ready to rather than just be like i got a planet life's freaking great he's like no no that that cal guy and that earth them fuckers need to pay yeah and so he's starting to weaponize the kryptonians and nightwing and flamebird are um you know navigating their way through this and realizing that like shit's gonna hit the fan and actually their whole storyline takes a huge um is very critical to like uh, what happens with the War of Superman, which is what New Krypton eventually leads into. But uh, it's really great because you get to see 
the breakdown of Kryptonian society um, and how life in Kandor is through the eyes of these characters that are inherently Kryptonian and not human. Mm. Um, so that would be my first recommendation is a good Kandor storyline um, where, you know, there is the some the douchebag that you'd expect to be in Kandor, which is Zod, you know, coming to power mm-hmm. and uh, how the DC Universe deals with it. So a different take on what is essentially the same plot points that are introduced in um, the Dark Knight Master Race, which is the return of Kandor and the rise of a militant douchebag. Yeah. And uh, speaking of militant douchebags, I'm going to go over to mine, and this actually is taken from Jeff Johns' Avengers run, uh, way back when Jeff Johns actually did a couple things at Marvel, just a few things, before he was pretty much like picked up at the same time Grant Morrison jumped over there too. Um, But it was Avengers Red Zone from issues 65 through 70, and this one, Red Skull has actually infiltrated the U.S. government and kind of turned everything into like his version of the world and he released like a nerve gas and everything and he's like really like as close as he's ever gotten to bringing back the fourth rank and it is stands as one of my favorite red skull stories of all time and actually probably up there like tops avenger stories i've ever read you know a lot can be said about some of the choices that jeff johns did uh versus some of the bendis stuff that came afterwards but this by far is my like gold standard for avengers comic books and it shows that whole master race idea kind of coming to fruition putting everyone at uh, a disadvantage and it also has one of the coolest scenes where uh uh, t'challa the black panther who is black (laughs) squaring off against the red skull who is a super racist And then he tells Not him just straight a racist, up, a super racist. A super racist. Racism is his superpower, people. It is. It is. He's fueled by hate. And then he straight up looks at him and says, I'm going to break your jaw. And he's just like, whatever. Ha <laughs> ha And they kind of like have their thing and like Red Skull totally has the upper hand. Then all of a sudden out of nowhere, like tables turn big time and T'Challa gets up and it's beautifully drawn by Olivier Coipel who had a hand in the next recommendation I'm going to give, too. Uh, I think that's how you say his name. Oliver Koipel? <laughs> I think it is the gringo way to say it. I'm trying to be respectful to his French roots. Has Black Panther just get up and punch Red Skull so hard that his jaw cracks off and then like flies all over the place, and it is like the biggest catharsis moment into this one after everyone has just been like nerve-gassed and started taking out. So Red Zone... Big time. Go ahead and check that out if you want to see someone try and really reinstate the Master Race. You want to go for another one? All right. Um, this one, uh, I'm actually going to stick with the, the Candor thing. I'm going to go with, if you have a chance, Man of Steel th- number three. Uh, that's a, actually a fairly recent one. It deals with uh, Rogel Czar, uh, the person that we find out is actually responsible for the death of Krypton. Um, previously, you know, th- this is a. Uh, in this continuity, uh, it's kind of started in New 52, but it's more of a rebirth storyline at this point. Um, he's a villain that, it turns out he was very distrusting of the Kryptonians, and he was worried that they were going to rise in power, especially as it's been established that they had like a, like they were sending out explorers and stuff like that. So he convinces this council that they need to destroy Krypton, and unbeknownst to Superman and 
um, Supergirl, he's the one that actually caused it. Everyone thought that the planet just exploded because it was unstable. He's the one that helped the core destabilize. And in number three, he does something that no heroes ever or no villains ever actually really done, at least in continuity. He kills Kandor. Just to, he's like he's like I, Kryptonians are a menace. He wholeheartedly is xenophobic against Kryptonians, so he grabs the bottle and just blasts it and kills all of the Kryptonians. Yes, all of Superman's like like family ties and so, stuff like that. I mean, Anything left of his race is gone. I would definitely pick that up as a key issue, but the whole storyline with uh, Rogels are. Um, at least in the initial part of it, was very when interesting. When they sucked everything into the Phantom Zone, uh, yeah. and Superman has to fight alongside General Zod yeah. to take him out, too, because General Zod's Kryptonian at his core. Yeah. And then I, they kind of, you know, the, the storyline just carried on, and then that's kind of where it went. But when they first introduced him as a threat, and you really get to see Superman out of his element against someone who's playing with him and yeah. knows it, and so there's a lot of really good writing in this, and he, uh, Rogozar ups the ante, making him to be out one of the best introduced foils for Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, like anything else, as time goes on, they kind of he kind of lost his shimmer. But when he first introduced it, he was on point. Um, All right, really good. And the last one I'm going to go ahead and bring up is uh, I know I said Oliver Coipel, Olivier Coipel. Uh, he had a hand in this one too um, we're talking about the fallout from House of M the decimation event yeah. so we're talking about like Master Race and stuff like that you see the mutants go from one of the most populous like they, they were all over the place in the Marvel Universe I mean uh, they event. had Mutant Town as a uh, or District X I should say District X by the way Fuck! Read that. That's that's like the best but it, detective it, it, story. It was like Grant Morrison is like, well, you know, if they're gonna be the next wave in human uh, human evolution, why the fuck aren't they? Why are they still like hiding in fucking caves and shit? Yeah. So he's like, there's a huge boom in mutant population, and they're left and right. They have like their own town. Yeah. And that's where he really breaks down like mutants that just look weird, mutants that have like somewhat superpowers, the Omega level mutants. Like he Now to be fair, that was written by David Hine, not Grant Morrison. Oh. But I think it maybe have may have been seated as Well, like, Morrison was one of the ideas. It was Morrison's that came out of run it. that came through it and then this these were the spin-offs that resulted. Yeah, it was a District X actually came out from X-Men Reloaded, yeah. which was after Morrison just fucking up and left, he said, "All right, killed Magneto. Bye." <laughs> and they're like And then everyone was just like Fuck! Like, Joe Quesada famously, like, tracked him down and bitched him out at a convention. He was like, I heard you just signed a deal with fucking DC. I gave you the reins of the X-Men. I let you kill Magneto for real, motherfucker. I let you kill him for real. I told everyone that death counts. What the hell am I going to do now? And then they immediately went back and were just like, oh, yeah, that was uh, Zorn's twin brother. (laughs) That was really doing that. Uh, Magneto was just hiding out in Genosha after the genocide. I'm pretty sure that the reason that that the Zorn follow-up was so convoluted is that when he called him out on it, it's like Grandma was like, fine, I'll fix it for you. And then, and then, and then, Zorn. Fuck him. But Zorn thought he could fucking star for the head. And then Joe Kasai's just sitting there like, what the hell is he talking about? All the fucking day. He's just living underground. And cracking his skull to hair with an eye. All right. <laughs> cool, All right. We it got was, it. It wasn't Magneto. It was Zorn's twin brother. Thank you. Thank you, Miller. Zorn, not spelled with an X, but with a Z. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. 
<laughs> but we still like Zorn, so he has to have a twin brother that's equally fucking nice. Which Zorn is pretty cool. I'm glad that they did keep him as a character. I, I, I'm not gonna lie, it really reads like if you've ever seen Beerfest, when they oh, had the character Landfill, and like there's a scene in there where if you've not seen the movie, screw it, it it's old enough. I loved it, but there's the, this... uh, the only first of all the only thing I completely remember from Beerfest one one thing actually two things first Beer. thing Das Boot Das Boot. And I have the Jew. I had gotten because King Kong came out at the same time, and I'd gotten the King Kong sized Mountain Dew. And the whole time I'm drinking that, I'm like, I gotta stay through the rest of the movie. This is before I uh, realized that my bladder is kind of weak, and I do need to take bathroom breaks. I was forcing myself to do this. I had the King Kong sized Mountain Dew, and I'm watching a movie where there's nothing but beer and liquids <laughs> flowing all over, <laughs> and I held it the entire time, and I peed so hard my back hurt. <laughs> By the time I got out of that movie. So, so in in the movie, uh, really quickly, and why I'm referencing it, there's a character called Landfill, and he's like the obnoxious drinker. And so uh, this is the, the part of the movie where the whole point is they're trying to... Uh, America is not represented in a beer fest because America are pussies when it comes to drinking beer. Yeah, like, fucking pussies. Like, like, they don't know how to drink real beer because everyone else drinks rat piss or yak piss. So they can drink real beer. We don't. Like, we yeah. drink... Pussy beer. Um, so they managed to find this recipe and they uh, like of uh, this old beer that's like the most delicious beer ever. And out of spite, they start selling it and making it in the U.S. in their little like distillery. And turns out that the character wants to uh, the the owner of the beer had a brother who wants to find this recipe. So he is going ahead and send a mole out to steal the recipe from their distillery and landfill when everyone else like the team is falling apart they're not going to be ready for the competition he wallows into it and he sees this mole and he has a fight with this mole and gets kicked into this the big uh bin holding all of their beer and he's like oh crap i can't get out i can't climb out because i like it's a big circular bin and it's filled about halfway through there's only one thing I can do. Drink my way out of it. And he starts just gulping down this side. And he forms like a little cyclone. And he starts drinking it. And then like, they cut to the next scene and he's dead. Like, like he didn't make it. He drank about like his body weight and then he was done. Um, and they're like all sad and at the funeral. And they're like, what are we going to do now? We lost the team member. And it's like, no, we have to do this for landfill. We have to do this for landfill. So like the remaining three rally together and then in comes it's like hi i'm landfill's identical twin brother he's told me everything about you and everything that's going on so it's like i haven't even really missed a beat in fact you could just call me landfill <laughs> <laughs> and so he just steps in and takes the place of this other landfill <laughs> now getting back to my recommendation yes. so going back <laughs> which to i love that i'm gonna watch beer fest like this week because I haven't seen that in so long, and I want to, I want to relive the infamous Kong Mountain Dew. So, so that is the origin. I want my back to hurt when I pee. This is the origin of Zorn. He's the landfill of the Marvel universe. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> but anyway, I wasn't even recommending District X, but damn straight, recommend District X. And actually, uh, I wanted to recommend the whole of the decimation. Yes. Event. So after Wanda said no more mutants, then uh, the mutants were decimated. Only one hundred ninety-eight left. It, they became a minority, like, big Overnight. time. They started being rounded up into internment camps by the government. Well, well, the Sentinel had... squads got picked up. Well, the, the government 
protecting them because now they were an endangered species. Like, yeah. they suddenly went, like, Native American overnight. There was less... There was 198 registered ones, uh, less than, like, two, like 250 overall. And then all of their enemies that were, like, they're over overpowering us. It's like, this is our chance. Like, now there's less of them. We could squash them once and for yeah. all. And the decimation was one of these, um, like zealot like anti-mutant things mm. i think that was the purifiers because yeah, absolutely so that's exactly what i'm about to get to because yeah. this is my original recommendation before i realized that decimation was good and yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned district x because david hine followed up on it with a, a lot with uh the 198 yeah because he wrote the 198 and there was another one that he wrote too that kind of followed up on that uh, son of m and uh silent war yeah were big time fallout where pietro maximoff lost his uh, and mojo, tried to get it and back. tried to get it back using the Terrigen Mists. But when new X Men kicked on, Craig Kyle and Chris Yost. Craig Kyle and Chris Yost. Um, first of all, like we've covered how much Joe Kassan and Bill Jameis tried pulling people in from other areas, and Ron Zimmerman came in from there. Kevin Smith came in from there. Chuck Austin came from out of there. Craig Kyle and Chris Yost had worked on the X Men Evolution TV series, which actually they were the creators of the female Wolverine, Laura. Yeah that you'd see like running around that's like Wolverine's clone they created them in the TV show and then Joe Quesada was the one that brought him in in NYX um, but he put them on an X-Men series just kind of seeing it it was just like you know what we, we love you guys we want to pull you in and put you on an X-Men series so there was uh, New X-Men Academy X yeah. and then it just dropped Academy X after House of M and just became New X-Men and this one like the Purifiers came back William Stryker uh they got back to the school, Nimrod came back, and they started targeting these kids at the mansion, and left and right, you're starting to see just these child... There's literally a like scene cast members a just bus dying. Of, a bus full of them, and like, all, we're not talking about like in the movies where it's like, alright, we need to evacuate, and it's like, all the main characters are still in the building, and like, a bunch of, fa- of no, there's some people. real faces. Like, like a lot of the characters, because a lot of Academy X was built as in like, Kind of like a boy meets world for mutants. Yeah. So you saw a lot of them growing. Uh, that growing actually pain. came out of the Morrow tsunami line, which was supposed to be um, more of like was, a. It was new mutants. I, I, I was trying to think. There was a, like, for example, there was Wither and Elixir, and they both had um, Surge. I think was her name. Yeah. And they were both like infatuated with Surge, and when she lost her powers, or uh, I think it was Surge, or when she lost her powers, and she was on the bus. Like, there's so many characters that were actually main characters in Academy X that were on the bus that didn't make it. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, like, the stakes were real in there. there was, and there was uh, even a cover, too. Like, I think it was, like, 27 or 28 uh, that there were just, like, these kids getting out of or just, like, settling into their graves. So there's, like, a bunch of grave sites dug, and each one of the characters is hopping in their grave site. So it's just, like death was a real factor here and it got really dangerous for these kids in this world because everyone wanted to just murder them uh, because it's like the master races. You mean they didn't have Lazarus pits? They didn't have Lazarus pits they could just bring each other back with. Uh, They didn't they, technically, they have something like that now under Jonathan Hickman, but that's kind of, that's fucking cool. It, it took a while. It took a while. It's fucking cool though. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go ahead and accept Gold Balls making uh, little eggs that Elixir like heals and like hope build seeds inside. I don't know how it fucking works. It just I, does. I'm just laughing because <laughs> this is those are balls done right. Those are gold balls done right. Yeah, balls done right. I mean, no one said that when Brian Michael Bendis was writing gold balls. Yeah. But then John Hagman was just like, 
Give me those balls. I'll show you how to handle them balls. Yeah. So, new X-Men, issue 20, all the way up through the Messiah Complex, and they even, like, spun that out into more stuff, where it's just, like, that whole era was so good, especially for, like, it reignited the whole race war between humans and mutants, and it gave the mutants a purpose beyond what Grant Morrison already, like, repurposed them for. Like, Grant Morrison was the guy who kickstarted the new, new wave of it, and then with Decimation, then everything had higher stakes and, like, just the overall tone and readability of the X-Men franchise was just like, oh, like, this is, this really matters. Yeah. Right? It was a lot more engaging. So, with that being said, guys, those are our recommendations. Actually, I, like, you have one more? I have one Go ahead and one. go for it. All right. So, this one's a little bit of it. Um, we've all seen... Superman and Wonder Woman. I mean, in New 52, they got an entire series together. Kingdom Come, um, Bat- uh, Superman winds up with Wonder Woman growing old together. Um, the one pairing you haven't seen in comic books, which is weird, um, because despite the fact that they're not ever shown as really having a lot of chemistry, they're the two most like-minded characters, is Wonder Woman and Batman. And when I was reading this, that's all I kept thinking about, is like, Wonder Woman is acting so much more like Batman than um superman like what does she see in superman other than like super sperm because like you knock me up but meanwhile i'm fighting i'm not slowing down i haven't missed a beat she's still out there doing her war thing literally the first uh issue she's fighting a minotaur it's like stupid minotaur minotaur and breastfeeding at the same time yeah she's like she's literally like frat woman She's like, stupid Minotaur, I'll beat the shit out of you. Yeah. You think you're horny? (laughs) (laughs) I'll fucking fuck you! (laughs) So, there was a a storyline in um, running in in Grant Morrison's JLA run, and it all culminated in issue number 90, um, where during the point, and there was precursor to this, there was a lot of weird energy between Batman and Wonder Woman, because on one of their missions, like... She was. Uh, she almost lost uh, Batman and like went and like to the ends of the earth to kind of make sure that he was okay. So there's always been like a trinity, but it's always been assumed that the power couple is Superman and uh, Wonder Woman. Well, in this one, they started kind of developing romances. Now, admittedly, a lot of people say that it was written kind of weird because there's two obsessed characters suddenly developing feelings for each other, but not really want to admit it because they're still obsessed. So in uh, we get kind of a cheat issue that squashes that relationship because what it does is she uses a machine to kind of play out these scenarios and then you get different facets of what would happen if they were actually together, including ones where they have kids together, uh, ones where the villains come back to get them. And in the end, they realize that despite the fact that they would probably be a great power couple, it could equally go as bad. And if it goes bad, it goes really bad. And it's... It would be a distraction to both of their missions because she's out to bring like the amazonian way and like the way of the warriors to the world and he's out to eliminate crime and they feel like that them together what they both agreed on whether good or bad would just like distract them from their mission so they ended the note on like friends with unrequited feelings so it was a really good thing to see that and it kind of reminded me of it especially because some of the storylines that they plotted seem very similar to what actually played out in the Master Race. Just replace Superman with Batman as the, mm. the baby daddy, and you get the same thing with, like, the kids and everything. So I thought that was a really good takeaway, and it's an issue that a lot of people, like, don't even remember 
but it's well worth it. And even I mean, those are like my favorite types of issues. Like you forget about it, but it has like implications to it, and you're like, this is a different story than anything. I, I mean, read this before. one, if you if you look at it, you get like there's at least six different kinds of Elseworld tales happening all within a couple of panels, mm. and they're never picked up again. But they leave the door open for it, and that is honestly, um. One of the uh, one of my favorite recommendation for that because you never really see Wonder Woman and Batman being the power couple. All right, guys. With that being said, this wraps up our burn ointment for today. On Saturday, we're gonna be coming back and we're gonna be uh, wrapping up the Batman leg of the Miller time. Yes, we're we're gonna put the Dark Knight universe to rest. With a little extra. There's going to be a yeah. one-shot that's not the Dark Knight universe. So we've got three one-shots coming up. We've got Dark Knight and the Last Crusade, uh, where we see Jason Todd and Batman's last ride together. And we also see The Golden Child, which shows uh, Carrie Kelly in the fallout of Dark Knight and the Master Race, kind of coming into her own. And then we're going to jump back to a really, really fun... Uh, maybe... No, it's not fun. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crossover. Inter it's interesting, but it's going to be pretty much what you expect it to be, given the time that it came out and who's writing it. Get ready to hear a lot of punk. Yes. There's, it's it's Spawn and Batman. And it's not the Spawn that... Well, it, I mean, it is the Spawn that you read in the comic books, because a lot of the times that's what it's like. But it's think of it more as the Spawn from the movie, where it's just like... And super angsty and super angry meets super angsty and super angry. Spoiler alert, Bat. he sounds a lot like Batman. Yeah. And then there are times even with the different color text boxes, it's like you kind of lose track of it. So I want you guys to go ahead and track those down. Uh, ask your local comic shops, even get a hold of those. They shouldn't be too hard to find. They're pretty recent. And no one has read The Last Crusade. <laughs> it's like it's the most forgotten thing ever. So definitely get your hands on those. Uh, until next time, I am Nick. I'm Bruno. And uh, get ready to put some ointment on it. Oh, God, it burns.